Welcome to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. We are women helping women to read their Bibles in the Dayton region and beyond. In order to equip our sisters to dig into scripture, we have started an initiative called At Home in the Word. This podcast series is one of multiple resources created by our team to help you increase your confidence in your own personal study of God's Word. On this season of the podcast, we will be focusing on the overall meta-narrative of Scripture and the specific genres of Scripture. So grab your Bible and a notebook and listen in. Hi, ladies. Uh, Would you consider volunteering to help with summer study? Volunteer information and registration for summer study is available at DaytonWomenInTheWord.com backslash mark. Lindsay, welcome back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. This is not the first time Lindsay's been on. Um, It was way back at the beginning of the podcast. Yep, season one. And -hmm. we were joking on the way in here. Our setup is quite a bit different. We were in Natalie's bathroom when (laughs) we recorded our first episode. So go back and listen. We've upgraded quite a bit, ladies. We have. We're in the the Apex (laughs) studio now, thanks to their hospitality. Um, But would you just, uh, for the listener who didn't get to hear that episode, would you just update us on who you are and maybe what God has you up to in this specific season of your life? Yeah. Um, So I am a wife a mom of two little ones, Emerson's kindergarten, and Violet is in second grade. Um, I'm a daughter, a sister, a friend, um, and my newest role is as a substitute teaching leader for Bible Study Fellowship. All right. Um, so, yep. Yeah. Awesome. I've been, we were just chatting about her uh, first teaching. My first lecture. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> And I learned that she went from having given no lectures before. No, I mean, unless you count teaching VBS to little kids. Okay, I but, count that. Okay, I thank you. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> you have to be organized you to do. know what you're talking about. So to teaching how many people? Like 500 women. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little intimidating. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> but God was faithful, was, she said, yeah. and um, just so proud of her. Um, and I've been watching her life, just seeing how it goes having kids in school that you take and oh, drop it's off. a whole new world. I'm like, look, yeah. I'm trying not to. <laughs> I'm tr- really trying not to rush this no, away. Just enjoy it. But it's just, it's <laughs> just helpful, shall I say, to know that there is a different season yes. as well. Because yes. the time is coming where they will get up and get their own breakfast and turn on cartoons. What is that? I just, that? I know, just saying. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for giving me hope for the future. Okay, so uh, Lindsay, what genre are we talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to talk about apocalyptic literature. Um 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Before we go further, like, what, can you tell us how you came to pick this genre? Because in my mind, this would have been kind of a more intimidating one. Yeah. To pick. Maybe the most intimidating. I, I didn't. Probably wouldn't have wanted to pick it, but um, when you emailed me, oh, there was the only option. <laughs> well, there were three. No, there were three, and um, I had just finished kind of doing a short study of Revelation, mm. and my mom and I had been—I won't say a heated discussion, but we were just having a lot of um, really good discussion mm-hmm. about Revelation, mm. and so when you emailed me, I was like, okay. I'll talk about apocalyptic literature. He's kind of been preparing you. (laughs) A little bit. It had been, it definitely had been something that was on my mind. And Mm. so it seemed fitting to do this one. So could you describe the genre a little bit for us? What all is included in apocalyptic literature? Yeah. So um, the term apocalypse comes from a Greek word that basically translates as revelation. So that's Mm -hmm. why we call it. Why the last book of the Bible is called Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just means an unveiling or mm-hmm. a pulling back of the curtain. Um, so it's basically you, it's an un, seeing the unseen transcendent world just mm-hmm. kind of at a glimpse. Mm-hmm. I heard one commentator kind of describe it as um, we have many blinds blocking our view of the spiritual world mm-hmm. and the revelation or the apocalyptic literature kind of tilts those blinds just so you can see a little mm-hmm. glimpse mm-hmm. into uh, what's happening in the heavenly realms. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of a neat way that to think about really it. really neat and very different from the zombie apocalypse that we keep hearing about. Yes, you know, yes. The culture of the day. A far more encouraging <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just fascinated by how um, books and media are very focused on the mm-hmm. apocalypse. And we have a lot of our own ideas without coming to scripture about what that means. And just hearing the unveiling, you know, uh, a bit. We'll, we'll talk more, I think, about that in a little bit. But just um, just seeing that even in our Christian culture, we tend to know a lot more from uh, fiction yeah. than, than truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next question for you is why would someone want to study books in this genre? Yeah, so... Um... This kind of, so the second half of Daniel is apocalyptic literature and revelation. Hmm. And um, so when we look at Daniel, it was written as an encouragement hmm. to the people of God who are living in exile. Hmm. Um, and so when I think about revelation, I think it was written as an encouragement to us, hmm. the people of God who are living in exile. Hmm. We are sojourners. Um, this is not our home. Mm-hmm. And we are looking forward to being in our forever home in the same way the people of God in the book of Daniel were looking forward to returning to their home. Yes. Um, and so I think primarily it's written as an encouragement to hmm. believers. It isn't meant to be something that's scary, Mm. Um, not zombie apocalypse, (laughs) for sure. Um, And then the other thing that's just super straightforward is the um, third verse in Revelation 
gives us a blessing. It says, Mm -hmm. you will be blessed if you read Mm -hmm. or hear and take to heart the words. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the only book in the Bible that is given that kind of explicit blessing Mm -hmm. um, for for reading and knowing it. So Mm -hmm. I think those are two great reasons to... uh, dive in dive in even (laughs) if it's scary yeah 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 and I was telling Lindsay earlier Daniel was one of the I was really surprised to Mm. learn that there was apocalyptic uh, literature in the book of Daniel because all growing up I knew Shadrach Meshach and Abednego Mm. I knew um Daniel and the lion's den and even even knew some you know it's not as common um but knew some about him choosing to eat the vegetables over the meat like that's those stories yeah i remembered grow from growing up in the church but i i mean i had no idea what came at the latter half of daniel and when we studied it in our i think it was our second dayton women in the word study I was te- talking about teaching for the first time. <laughs> I was teaching for the first time. That was my first study to teach. And I got this one of the sections that covered some of his visions. And um, and it blew me away. I was like, I had no mm. idea this was here. Yeah. Um, what do you think's behind, you know, the blind spots we have in regards to apocalyptic literature? Yeah, man. Um, I think for our generation, if you grew up in the church, you probably grew up knowing the Left Behind series. Yeah. Um, either read the books and they're like, or there are like thirteen. I don't know exactly. I think how there's many. a lot. It's of in them. the teens. In, yeah, it is in the teens. And I believe in high school, I read almost all of them, if not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, we were probably more influenced than we even realized by a lot of that. Um, and it's just, there we don't have any other genre of literature in modern times that can compare with mm. apocalyptic literature. So we just basically don't know what to do with it yeah. in a lot of senses, because we know to a certain extent how to read historical narrative. Granted, they may have written slightly differently in the Bible than we do now, but we still get the idea of what a narrative is or right. what poetry is, and you come to it with a certain set of tools for interpreting mm-hmm. those things. But there's just a big um, discrepancy, I guess you'd say, yeah. between what set of tools you use to interpret apocalyptic literature. Yeah, so. we're, we're often scared of what we don't know. Mm. And so we don't go, we just don't go there. Yeah. I feel like we just don't go there or we don't even know it's there. Like I was talking about with Daniel until you actually open up the the word and you see it and you're like, uh, what is happening here? I don't know what's going on. Um, so that's a lot of why we're talking about this today because we kind of want to, <laughs> unveil the unveiling can I say yeah, that there you go. Uh, but I'll just take away some of the um fear mm. in in regards to approaching this and opening it up so uh we we talked a little bit about um how we see this style being used in scripture but can you tell me mm. how how is it used in the grand story of of scripture when we talk about the meta narrative mm. 
Um, so particularly Revelation, but I would say even the second half of Daniel kind of work as the book ends mm. to the book of Genesis. Mm. So in Genesis, we get a picture of what God intended his relationship with his creation to be and what that perfect relationship was going to look like. And then sin and brokenness and death enter. And basically the whole rest of the Bible mm. is God revealing how he is going to redeem that. Mm. And by the time we get to Revelation, it's kind of, it's the culmination mm. of how he is wrapping all that up and he has redeemed the world and mm-hmm. um, we're kind of back to the way things were intended to be by the time you get to Revelation 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. I think like what if it wasn't there? You know what I yeah. mean? It's so important because we have to know, we have to have the hope that this is not how it's always going to be. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that's one difference in my personal walk having revelation has done for me is is being able to call like the crap of this world crap mm-hmm. <laughs> and not and and lament it and not feel like it has to be resolved here yeah. you know i mm-hmm. think that takes away from a lot of our um, when someone's going through something and they're grieving it and us Christians that come alongside them, we I no longer feel like I have to fix it because yeah. I know that here it's not going to be fixed. And that sounds like hopeless, <laughs> but for me it's really hopeful because that's not um, – it, it doesn't mean that I have to make a – good or a bad situation into a good situation something Mm -hmm. that just seems impossible you lose a child for instance or um you know just I've, i've i've walked with a lot of women who've had miscarriages and i just in in the challenge of how to comfort them is is hard you know and um I've realized that I can just say this is terrible and this is not how it should be and God has a plan, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and say that confidently that things will not always be this way. Um, it, it gives me hope and also gives me direction when someone is truly walking through the um, broken, really the brokenness of this world and experiencing that raw uh, firsthand. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is not how it it should be, and it's not how it's going to stay, and that is hopeful for me. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the nuances or or purposes uh, behind this style? Yeah. So I uh, read one commentator, and I thought this was a really good image. He said, can you imagine describing pineapple to an Eskimo living in the Arctic tundra? (laughs) And his conclusion was that sweet and juicy and blubbery is about all you could use to describe it. Sweet and juicy blubber. Um, And his point. I never think of a pineapple as blubbery. That that is their vocabulary. That's Right. Like he was just trying to, how would you connect this to somebody who that would be so foreign? Yeah. Um, and basically his idea was that that Eskimo's expectation for wanting to experience tasting pineapple would be so heightened Hmm. by that. And it's not that you were trying to hide anything Mm -hmm. from the Eskimo, um, 
but that they just don't have the vocabulary or the Mm. experience or the worldview or anything in order to comprehend this tropical fruit Mm. in their Arctic tundra. And it was kind of the same way with apocalyptic literature. Mm. God's not trying to hide something from us. He's not purposely trying to make it super confusing, but if we could imagine trying to describe something that we just don't have the vocabulary right. to understand. Right. Um, or the experience. Or the experience yeah. or, you know, any of that. We're such earthly creatures confined to time and space and, and the heavenly realm is just not that. Yeah. Um, and so it he put it was supposed to be something that would kind of put you on the edge of your seat in excitement mm-hmm. um, to know that someday you'll taste that pineapple um, <laughs> and it will all make sense yeah. someday. Yeah. And for now, it's meant to be kind of that teaser, that mm-hmm. excitement, that that thing you hold out for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a good way of kind of trying to understand um just why maybe Revelation was written mm. in the style that it was written in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about um, John, who is most. Does it actually name in Revelation John? Does it, does. it name him? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I I ask that because we're studying through the epistles of John, and it doesn't come right out and say mm-hmm. that, but but it's assumed because of the style in the gospel and the style in Revelation, <clears throat> that it is indeed John. But uh, I, I just think about John being um, exiled to Patmos when he is uh, writing this. And, um, you know, what's to explain? Because if he wasn't in the, he wasn't in the time and space, you know, there, that he was human too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how does John get to be at the pineapple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. my question. Yeah. Is is how does how does that work then for John as a writer? Mm. Is my question. What what are your thoughts on that, Lindsay? Hmm. You know, I mean, it's told right from the beginning that John was given a vision hmm. of these things. Um, And so whether this was John trying to figure out how to best explain what Mm -hmm. he was seeing, or maybe he was given a very symbolic vision. Mm -hmm. It may have not been literally what happens in the end, but Mm -hmm. just a way for him. You know him to understand it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess we can't really know. And that is part of um, where the difficulty lies. A lot of people would say that the book of Revelation should be interpreted figuratively, Mm -hmm. meaning that when it talks about a dragon coming, trying to eat the woman's right, child, right. that all of those things are highly symbolic. Mm. Um, and then other people would say, no, we need to take things more literally. So when it says 144,000, mm. that that is 144,000 yeah. of um, God's people. So just different things like that, that, yeah, I don't know that we can know. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, God gives, God gave 
revelation, I want to say this uh, is indeed about revelation, but he gave the writers of his word a job and a specific message, and he gave them a specific revelation to write into his word, into his, into the Bible. And so I think... I think I'm, I don't necessarily know, but I'm grateful for what he gave John to give to us because he communicated it in such a way that John would understand and see and, and experience. John is very experiential. I mean, even in the epistles, he talks about Jesus as, as, um, as someone that came in human flesh. He, he describes that he you know, that we saw him, you know, we, we were with him and Mm -hmm. it was all these senses he brings in. And I see that in revelation too, when he, when he explains these visions to us, he was there. I mean, he was right there and he invites us into being right there with him. And there's not a whole lot. There is some, I feel like in revelation, it's been a couple of years since I've studied it with BSF, but there's some interpretation in there, mm-hmm. but not a lot. I mean, you, you, he, in some ways, um, uh, he is kind of saying, this is what God told me and this is what God didn't, basically. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's open to, um, uh, to trusting the Lord. We yeah. know that God has given us just what he wanted to give us in Scripture and that we can trust him um, and keep asking those questions. And some of them might be revealed by other Scripture as you continue to study and maybe not in that moment. But um, I've seen that in my own walk, just coming to a more mature view of everything as I have studied other books. God has been like, oh, do you remember? Do you remember when you studied this? And that was a question and he's answered. And some things I think I will be asking until I meet him, you know, face to face in glory. So um, I guess it's a challenge for us to become comfortable with God knowing everything and us not knowing everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) It's humbling. It is. It's humbling. Um, so that's we we're talking a lot about the challenges of studying scripture written mm-hmm. in this literary style. Are there any other challenges that come to mind, uh, Lindsay, as you think about this genre? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> there were three that kind of have a nice little ring to them to help us remember, but um, the symbolism, the structure, and the hmm. sequence oh, yeah. can all be very challenging. Um, and I kind of already talked about the symbolism, yeah. trying to decide, are these literal numbers? Yes. Are they figurative numbers? Um, maybe they're both. Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. know? I mean, so... Um, just kind of knowing our roots, and I found this interesting, was that back in the 1920s, there was a movement in the U.S. that said um, we should read everything in the Bible as literally as possible, and to not do so was to um, to basically doubt the authority of Scripture. Hmm. And so we come at that. That's kind of our history in the United hmm. States is this idea of saying, like, if you don't think it's a literal number or whatever, um, that that was really frowned upon. And so, um, but there have been people throughout history that would not 
that would say we should interpret this more figuratively Hmm. as more poetic Hmm. than historical narrative. Hmm. Um, So that's just one thing when you're looking to maybe read a commentary Mm -hmm. is to know off the bat, is this person taking a more figurative approach to interpretation or are they taking a more literal Hmm. approach? Um, And then as far as structure and sequence, um, images can often apply to more than one period in history. And we saw Mm. that in Daniel with the four beasts. Yes. Um, They represented four kingdoms Mm -hmm. that were contemporary Mm -hmm. to Daniel. Mm -hmm. But then they also had symbolism or a representation for four kingdoms in the future. Mm -hmm. And then even past that, past Jesus, Mm -hmm. even into our future, um, there is meaning there as well. And so that's something to kind of keep in mind. Um, There's an elasticity of the vantage point. So like Mm -hmm. I kind of said before, God's not constrained by time. Um, And so we can kind of assume that maybe some of this that we're reading is not constrained by time. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Revelation 4 to 22 is not chronological. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that say that it's more like those little Russian stacking dolls. Huh. Yes. Um, so we have seven letters followed by an unfolding of seven seals on mm-hmm. the scroll and then the seven trumpets, and then the seven visions, and then the seven bowls of God's judgment. Mm -hmm. And rather than looking at those as going, you know, chronologically, it's more like um, waves coming up on the seashore Mm -hmm. or stacking dolls. Um, Maybe it's one point. It's Mm -hmm. one event in history kind of described from several different vantage points. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Just realizing that there can be these different ways of viewing the literature and then kind of going from there, I think, can be super helpful. So symbolism, sequence, structure Mm. um, would all be something that could be tricky. It stretches my brain a little bit just to think about it because we are so constrained by time and an order in a sense that um, getting outside of that is pretty challenging for us. Even even in reading the epistles of John, he's a very circular thinker. Mm. And um, I can't help but think because I know him as an author and this is a style that he writes, that it is extremely possible that that it is not sequential, mm-hmm. that it is not, um, uh, what were the other S's that you said? Structure. structure yeah, yeah, that the structure would not necessarily mean a timeline, mm-hmm. for instance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that um, being true. I, I'm also thinking of the movie Inception. Like, yes, totally. <laughs> I'm like, what level are we on? Right. <laughs> but it's true. It kind of, it kind of got me stretched in that way that that movie did a little bit. So, <laughs> so what would be your tips for someone who decides to study this genre? Yeah. So when it comes to contemplating our future, that is where you're going to run into so many disagreements mm. and so much. I don't want to say controversy, but, you know, just a lot of people having a lot of different opinions about what this means in the future. Um, 
but that these books were also written um, to speak to the past and to speak to our present. Hmm. And so I would just encourage women to not just skip ahead to what it means for our future, but to first consider what it means about Jesus in the cross, um, because Revelation was a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we first see him as, you know, you're expecting to see this king and you have a slaughtered lamb on the throne. Um, and then we see him as the line of Judah, and then we see him coming down out of the clouds on a horse and then we finally see him as the reigning king Um, and so focusing on what it reveals to us about our savior first um, and then also with the past what would this have meant for the original audience of john's letter Um, because it was a letter to seven churches that were in to his contemporaries um And so what kind of encouragement would this have offered Mm. to these people who were under extreme persecution at that time? Um, Because if they were just looking forward to something that was going to be thousands of years away, Mm -hmm. how would they get encouragement in that moment? And I think that's kind of true for us, too. We certainly hope that this is tomorrow. Yeah. Um, But if it's another thousand years away, what kind of encouragement can we get from reading Mm -hmm. Revelation? Um, And one of the things also is there's a lot of prophecy in Mm -hmm. Revelation. It very much, it's a letter and it's a prophecy and it's apocalyptic. And so Mm -hmm. um, one person said that we should look for the prophetic like oughtness. So it's a call (laughs) to commitment. Mm. Um, And that John uses the word keep um, more than 10 times, Mm. meaning that his readers were to heed or to obey. Um, And throughout, he exhorts his readers to remember and Mm. to do and to remain unstained Mm. um, from the world. And so uh, I'll just read what it says. It says, He is bold in his intention to secure for God a people defined by the term overcomers, men and women who never compromise their Christian convictions in this hostile world. And so, I mean, we see increasingly that we are living in a world that is hostile to Christianity. And so, there is encouragement for right now um, that can be found in Revelation. Hmm. even if Jesus doesn't come for another thousand years. So let's go there, Lindsay. What about you? Like what what has encouraged you uh, from reading Revelation or maybe a specific application that you've had for Mm. your life from studying this genre that you could share with our listeners who are stuck in the here and now with us? Yeah, yeah. So I did the Revelation BSF Mm. study with you, and I came in with all the preconceived, left-behind ideas, and I was terrified. Mm. Um, All I can remember thinking is, oh, man, I hope that there is pre-trib rapture, Mm. the idea that Jesus will come before all of those judgments um, and take up the people of God because that sounds terrifying. I yeah. can't imagine being there. Yeah. Like earlier when you were talking about like it's supposed to be an encouragement, I was yeah. thinking, but there's a lot of judgment. Yes, in there. it's so just how as can scary. We can be, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I was right there in that. This is scary um, kind of thought. And um, after studying it, I mean, and this is totally just my opinion, but to be honest, I just didn't see a lot of support for preacher rapture. Hmm. Um, And so now not only, you know, am I scared of all this, but it's like, oh my word, we're going to live through all this. What is it? You know, just, (laughs) this just seems awful. But I didn't come away with that. I really came away with the thought that we will be overcomers. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of anything, any kind of courage in myself or my strong faith that will help me, but it is because we are held fast by the Lord Mm -hmm. and that he will keep us on the solid rock and we won't be swept away when his judgments come. And and I would look back at how he preserved his people in um, when they were in Egypt and the Mm -hmm. Passover came and all of those firstborn sons are dying and they have the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Mm. And so I just trust Mm. that even if we experience all of those things, Mm. we're gonna be those homes with the blood on our doorposts Mm. that are gonna be protected from the wrath of God Mm. um, as it sweeps across the world. Um, And then, you know, just thinking about seeing Jesus return and Hmm. reign on this earth for a thousand years. And that seems so worth it to me, even if it means seeing um, the wrath that comes Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably just super naive as to what (laughs) this will, you know, what this would mean. And, and anytime anyone is comes face to face with an angel or with pre-incarnate Christ, you know, they fall down in fear and trembling. And, and so there will be, it will be scary. It would be very scary, but we are held by our savior and he will protect us. And so I just have an excitement. Well, if you're naive, I'm naive too, because (laughs) I'm excited about that. And, and truthfully, I feel similar when walking through revelation I think the biggest thing I walked away from was knowing the patience of our Lord mm. because there's a, there is a scripture I go back to, I think it's in second Peter, second Peter three, eight. I want to say, I'll, I'll look it up. Um, but it says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, mm-hmm. but is patient towards you, not wanting anybody to perish. And, um, it's one thing when you read that in Second Peter. It's another thing when you experience it through Revelation. Because all these judgments that God sends upon the world and his in his it's his right to do so. Um, yep, it's Second Peter three eight. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So that that passage in Peter gave me a lot of perspective mm. reading through 
revelation because you see God un- unleashing his judgment and wrath, but not in totality for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, throughout revelation, he unleashes some and then gives opportunity to repent. Yeah. He unleashes some and gives more opportunity to repent. And just like you were talking about the waves earlier, there are these mm-hmm. waves of judgment, but not in full for a long time. And I see that even now, you know, God is being patient with so patient. the people that are here and, and he he was patient with me. And so when I when when we talked before you said uh, a good tip was to look at the character of God throughout your you, your study, um, to, because it was the revelation of Jesus. So, so look for the character of, of Jesus through these through this uh, revelation, and the character trait I came away with was his patience, and um, and just the love that's communicated in that. It seems really like. Well, I don't want to look. I mean, I don't see love in Revelation because of his all the wrath, mm-hmm. but there is so much love because he could have chosen to unleash his full wrath on us from the beginning. Right. I mean, from Adam and Eve, but he doesn't have. He doesn't do that until the very end, and then he starts the world and the heavens anew. And um, I think that's just so beautiful to me that we can see and be encouraged by his patience. And then the application for me is then, well, I guess I can be a little patient too. Right. Well, and you know <laughs> what's so... do that in me. <laughs> yeah. And what's so funny is I actually had Second Peter 3, 10 mm. to 14 written mm. down um, because you'll notice Peter doesn't seem too concerned about when the day of the Lord is going to be mm. in that passage. But he says in um, verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives um, as you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Hmm. Um, And so I think no matter what our interpretation of Revelation is, and I think the beauty is that we can all land in different camps about that Mm -hmm. and all be people who look forward Hmm. to the coming of our Savior. Hmm. Um, And that's what Peter wanted for Hmm. us, was that we would look forward to it and because of that, that Hmm. we would live holy and godly lives. Yeah, we'd be motivated to do our part in hastening yeah. the day of the Lord. Yeah. And I just appreciate that that call for unity too when we approach uh, Revelation and saying, you know, there are many different ways to interpret. However, we can agree um, on on what that means for us now mm-hmm. and, and that we should be opening ourselves up for the, just the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. And, um, including making us <laughs> patient. Um, but in, in the words of Second Peter, you know, living lives of holiness and, and godliness. Um, so beautiful. So, Lindsay, as we um, end, I don't want to skip this question, but we <laughs> talked about it a little bit. How, how does this literary style point 
to Christ and the gospel. Yeah. And I mean, I think kind of like I said before, it starts very Mm -hmm. obvious. This is the revelation of Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is meant to be an encouragement for followers of Christ Mm -hmm. um, in the midst of persecution or just in the midst of waiting Mm -hmm. or um, just the hardness of this broken world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, just as you're reading it, look for Christ in it Mm -hmm. and just be encouraged there. Yeah. I can't, and, and share with us if you would, if you, if you do decide after listening to this, let us know how you see uh, Jesus when you open up Revelation. We want to hear that. Yeah. So, oh, and it connects a lot with the Old Testament too. And so oh. you can see a lot of really neat things about how God has been meticulously planning redemption from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so just one little thing that I thought was really cool was the temple in the Old Testament is yeah. a perfect cube mm-hmm. in its dimensions. And then we see the city of Jerusalem coming down out of the clouds and it's a perfect cube. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the place where God is going to dwell with his people, just mm-hmm. as the temple was the place where God dwelled with his people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just look for those. I just think that's amazing. that alone would be totally worth the study. Yeah, and actually, how, where's all the connections? Earlier, you were talking about all these sevens. Yeah, is there any particular significance you learned about the sevens coming? From? You know, I mean, it hap- that number is you know seven days of creation. Mm. Um, on the seventh day. God rested and all, mm. and it was perfect. And so I think from the very beginning of scripture, there's this idea that seven represents perfection mm. um, or wholeness. And so when we see the sevens, particularly in God pouring out his wrath, mm-hmm. it's a perfect wrath. Mm. Um, it, um, so we can trust that he's not just this tyrannical God mm. who's... Um, haphazardly wiping out the world, yeah. but that there is there is something um, perfect to it. It's a that justice can... that can't be manipulated yeah. by any sort of human feeling or motivation. Mm. It, and that's hard for us to understand, too, because even think about disciplining your children. I mean, I think I've come to so much repentance mm-hmm. about how I do it because I just realized, like, Lord, I feel unequipped to do this job in a holy manner. Yeah. Like I really don't there, you know, when they say we you should not discipline in anger, I be, you know, I believe yeah. that, but it creeps I'm, in. I'm almost always somewhat angry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really, I really go to the Holy spirit with that a lot. And so I just like earlier when we were talking about the pineapple, I feel that way when we approach the wrath of God, because we have not experienced that. We have mm-hmm. not experienced perfect wrath mm-hmm. um, in a way that is perfectly fair and perfectly without manipulation at all. Yeah. Um, so the sevens are an encouragement as they they represent perfectness and wholeness in a way that we cannot comprehend. Yeah. Um, about the holiness of Christ. So, are there any recommended resources you would point us to? I mean, you want us to read the whole Left Behind series, right? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. What? Where? Where do we go? Where do we go? Okay, so. Um... 
I would recommend this series for any book of the Bible, but Knowing the Bible Book Studies, mm. they're edited by J.I. Packer. Yes, they're the ES, they go, yes. they go with the ESV yeah, they or they're with, done by Crossway mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, I have not done the Revelation one, but mm. I've done many of the other ones and I yeah. feel like they always just do a really great job of helping you dig into scripture. I did Hosea. In okay. preparation for last summer study, and I was, it it didn't feel like at all. They were doing the work for you. It was very. Right. It was a very helpful. It was just very helpful. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So those ones I just recommend for any book of the Bible. But um, the Gospel Coalition has free online courses for I think almost every book of the Bible, and I went through their one on Revelation. Um, and they have, they start out with an introduction, a lot of the history and, um, background and that kind of stuff comes from the ESV study Bible, just straight out of the study Bible. And then it has two videos done by the, um, Bible Bible project Project. guys, Mm -hmm. which are great little infographic things Mm -hmm. to help kind of understand the structure of revelation. Um, and then it's followed by a three lecture series okay. on Revelation put out by oh, the third millennium, I think, are the name of the people. Anyway, so I would recommend checking those that out as a free resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as picking out commentaries or books or things like that, um, I would just recommend kind of making sure you get ones from people with varying views of interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, David Helm, yes. he wrote the Big Picture Story Bible, mm-hmm. um, but he's also the executive director of the Charles Simeon Trust, and he holds to a figurative interpretation of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a book called Daniel for You. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for somebody who's going to give you more of this is symbolic, and then what does that mean as a result of saying it's symbolic, mm-hmm. he'll kind of be a good one. But then John MacArthur, who is another very well-respected mm-hmm. um, theologian and pastor, he holds to a more literal interpretation mm-hmm. Um, and he has lots of books that he's written on Revelation. Mm. So when picking books, I would just say pick one from both camps. Yeah. Um, and both then that well, way. Well, we're now, I mean, what do I want to say? Both respected. respected and, you know, go soberly to the scriptures. I yes. guess is what I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys aren't just coming out of left field right. with their, yeah, trying Ideas. to say something that's right. controversial. They, they have both. reasons, very good reasons behind why they have come to the conclusions they've come to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those would be two that you could look into. Okay. And then, of course, just following the rabbit trails of what they're reading mm-hmm. is what I usually end up doing mm-hmm. when I pick somebody. So. so at the end of the book, they have yeah. their bibliography and you can mm-hmm. look at where they've, I, I remember just doing that for the commentary I have for first, second, third John. And I cracked up because when I got to the end, it was like John Piper, John Piper, John Piper, John Piper, John Piper. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, okay, no wonder I like these guys because they are so influenced by someone I am so influenced mm-hmm. by. But then that also clues me in that there might be other resources that I am missing, if that makes sense. So you yeah. kind of have to know know where 
your people are getting their info too. Um, and it won't necessarily be a bad place, but it might just mean you need a well, more well-rounded uh, yeah. reading. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very wonderful. <laughs> Anything else you want to share with us, Lindsay? Before I think we that's go? it. Thank you so much for walking us through your process when you approach this genre. And I feel encouraged. Like, I kind of want to go read the whole book of Revelation <laughs> again. I mean, just sit down and kind of remember what the Lord, you know, refresh on what the Lord um, taught me a couple years ago, but also come to it anew after we've talked today. Yeah. So. And just remember, you will be blessed. Yes. It says right there in scripture. You will be blessed. Yeah. Listener, you will be blessed mm-hmm. as you read. Um, and we send those blessings to you today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>